Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. It's the word of the Lord. Well, thanks very much for, for reading for us, Tom. Um, please keep that scripture passage open. We're going to be looking especially at verses 18 through 20 as we uh, conclude our series on the armor of God. Um, before we um, dive in, though, let's ask God to help us. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you so much for your, your grace, and your goodness, your kindness to us. We thank you, uh, as we've already acknowledged, for the gift of prayer. Um, thank you that you are a God who, uh, who not only speaks to us, but calls us to come and speak to you. And so, Lord, we pray that as we listen now, that you would stir our hearts to bring to you uh, our needs, uh, our desires, um, our thanksgiving in prayer. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, don't ask me why, but this week I was, um, I was uh, researching electromagnetic warfare. Uh, electromagnetic warfare involves the use of the electromagnetic spectrum or direct energy to control the spectrum attack an enemy or impede enemy operations, or so says Wikipedia. And putting it more simply, it is about jamming communications. Now, this kind of thing has a long history going back, especially to the beginning of the 20th century. During the Second World War, Winston Churchill referred to this as the Battle of the Beams, the Battle of the Beams. And navigational radar had been used to extensively um, help uh, direct bombers to and from their targets. And so finding a way to block or confuse those radar signals became a key strategy in winning the war. And over the last few weeks, we've been thinking about war, about warfare. And not literal physical war, but spiritual war. A war that impacts every Christian. Our battle, writes Paul, is not against flesh and blood. Instead, if we follow Jesus Christ, we're embroiled in a war against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. In this invisible war, we need God's strength. And the analogy Paul uses to describe that is this idea of putting on God's armor. 
Uh, The enemy is so powerful, uh, we need God's strength. Uh, In our fight against the devil, we have to put on the belt of truth. Uh, We have to pursue true belief. Uh, We also need the breastplate of God's righteousness, striving to fight the enemy through right behavior. Uh, We have to ward off his attacks uh, by putting on our feet the readiness of the gospel of peace, uh, pursuing the peace that Christ has won. And we need to take up the shield of faith, believing and trusting in Jesus Christ and his promises above everything else. Uh, And last week we saw we need to put on the helmet of salvation. Uh, We said what that means is this. It means to recall the mighty works of God. Uh, And we need the sword of the Spirit. Uh, We need to rely on God's mighty word. We need to have confidence that God, uh, in this battle, uses uh, the persuasive power of his word, the scriptures. Uh, We're in this war, and so we need God's armor. Uh, Over several weeks, we've considered this, but there is one more vital thing we have to look at before we wrap up. Uh, There is another dimension to Satan's attacks, and it is very, very similar to what I read about electromagnetic warfare. Uh, Not that he's interested in in blocking radio or blocking radar or anything like that. Uh, My point is simply this, that the devil is set on jamming our communication network. Uh, He does not want us talking to God. He knows that God in his grace is ready to help. And so the last thing he wants for us is to to go to God, to bring our needs to him in prayer. Uh, And that is why Paul concludes his description of the armor of God in this way. Uh, Take a look down at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Having told us to stand firm by wearing God's armor, he now reminds us to keep our open communications with him. Look at verse 18. Uh, He says this, We need to be praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. Uh, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And so the theme of our sermon today is prayer. Uh, Now, prayer is perhaps the only subject Christians feel more guilty about than evangelism, isn't it? Uh, We know that prayer is important, and yet many of us struggle to pray. Uh, We don't pray as often as we we like. We don't uh, pray as faithfully as we might, and when we do pray, it often feels quite dry, quite rote, quite repetitive. Uh, Often our prayer lives ebb and flow depending on the season we're in. Uh, And that is why we, we need our text today. It encourages us both to pray and to persevere. In fact, there are four key things I want to draw out uh, that we learn about prayer here. Four things that should characterize our prayer as Christians. Uh, And they all begin with the letter C, uh, just to help you remember them. Uh, Here they are. By the grace of God, we should seek to pray consistently, confidently, comprehensively, and collaboratively. And let me say those again. We should pray consistently, firstly. Uh, We should pray confidently. Uh, Thirdly, we should pray comprehensively. And finally, we should pray collaboratively as well. Uh, Let's work through each of those in turn. Firstly, our prayer should be consistent. Consistent. Uh, By that, I simply mean that prayer should be a regular part of our lives. Uh, Prayer should be like breathing for Christians. And now we have to say this is precisely the area that most of us struggle the most. Uh, And yet this is exactly where Ephesians chapter 6 seems to put the emphasis. And consistent prayer is one of the key ways we take our stand in this spiritual war we're engaged in. And we see that in our text in at least two ways. Firstly, it's there at the start of verse 18. Uh, Why don't you take a look? Uh, Paul calls us to pray at all times. Uh, Pray at all times. 
But that's what we see at verse 18. And now over the years, I confess, I've struggled with verses like this. And there's a similar verse in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 that calls us to uh, pray without ceasing. Uh, now, what I've always wondered is, are we meant to pray all the time? Uh, I mean, what about our sleep? Uh, what about when we use the bathroom? What about when we're driving? We certainly don't want to close our eyes in the middle of prayer at, at such times. Uh, what if your job involves a lot of concentration? I mean, I, I, if I ever need brain surgery, I would love my surgeon to pray for me, but I'd want him to focus in the middle of the surgery. And yet I think all of that stems from a, a misunderstanding. Uh, the point is not that Christians should live life in some sort of transcendental spiritual daze. And no, praying at all times doesn't necessarily mean praying 24-7. Uh, no, he's telling us that we should, 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 should always pray and that prayer is always a good response to any and any situation. In fact, we might even translate uh, this uh, uh, verse in this way, uh, that we are to pray in all seasons. Uh, now, most of us have all seasons tires on our cars. Uh, they can handle the summer heat as well as the cold, snowy winters. And in the same way, prayer should be an all-season thing, according to Paul. Uh, we should pray in the bright, hopeful spring times of life. Uh, and we should pray in the dark, dreary winter times also. Uh, now, each of those seasons has its own temptation towards prayerlessness, doesn't it? In every season, uh, it seems that Satan has a different strategy for attacking our communication. I think of the children of Israel. Uh, think of this. As they wandered in the wilderness, what did they do? Did they, they pray? No, they complained about their situation. And that is what we're tempted to do, isn't it, when life is hard? In the wilderness, instead of looking to God for help, we often find ourselves grumbling against him. And then think of Israel in the promised land. God had brought them into a place of peace, into a place of prosperity. And so what did they do? Did they pray? Well, this came with a different danger. When things aren't going well, it's not that we complain so much, but rather we become complacent. And that is why we need this exhortation to be consistent in our prayer in verse 18, to pray at all times. And it's also why we need to be told what we're told as the verse continues. Uh, to this end, writes Paul, keep alert with all perseverance. Uh, prayer requires perseverance. I think that's kind of good news, isn't it? We struggle to pray, and, and Paul really implicitly admits this. We have to persevere in this. It's going to be hard work. Uh, to keep alert means to stay awake. It's very similar to Jesus' exhortation to his disciples in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember what Jesus said to Peter, James, and John on the eve of his death as he, as he took time aside to pray. He said, watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation. And then, of course, he returned to find them sleeping. Now, we need to be vigilant when it comes to prayer. We have to press on. We have to endure. In fact, uh, one commentator put it so well, he, he put it this way. Uh, Here, believers are called to persevere so as to overcome fatigue and discouragement and not fall into spiritual sleep or complacency. We need to keep praying. And we need to keep praying through every stage of life. Because every stage of life brings with it its own challenges, doesn't it? Each of us will face different challenges to be consistent in prayer. There are challenges that come from being married. There are challenges that come from being single. There are challenges that come from being young, from being old, from having children or not having children. And how easily... We let these challenges become more than that. They actually just become excuses. And that is why God reminds us again and again to be consistent in prayer. As I've said, one of the enemy's key strategies is to cut off our communication with him. 
And he'll use every strategy he can to, to keep us from talking to God. And that is why we need to pray at all times. That is why we need to keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication. And that is why we need to pray consistently. And we have to say there are a number of things we could do to help with that. Uh, we can set up habits, certain routines in life. Uh, we know that the early church had set times of prayer, and, and maybe you need set times of prayer also. And maybe first thing in the morning when you get out of bed, or maybe in the car on the way to work. Uh, maybe your watch bings to remind you to move or drink water or something like that. Well, well why not use that as a reminder to, to turn to the Lord in prayer as well? Why not add times of prayer to your Google Calendar? I'm certainly a slave to my Google Calendar. If, if something is on there, then I'll, I'll generally be there. Uh, make the most of every opportunity to pray, uh, both on your own, but to, to pray with others as well. Uh, join the, the Monday morning prayer call if that works for you. You can find details in the bulletin about that or, or, or commit to come to our, our monthly prayer meetings. Of course, don't be over-ambitious in prayer. I think this is sometimes the risk, isn't it? Uh, we, have this, uh, we hear a sermon like this about prayer, and we think, well, look, I'm going to wake up at four in the morning and pray for three hours. And uh, it kind of lasts um, about one hour, and then we fall back asleep again. Uh, no, set some goals, perhaps some, some realistic goals, to pray more frequently and to pray more faithfully. Uh, and then expand those goals over time. And perhaps ask other people to hold you accountable in them. <laughs> And pray consistently. Our prayer should be consistent. That's the first point. But, but secondly, we also see that we should pray confidently. That we should pray confidently. That's our second point. In other words, as Christians, we ought to pray with a sense of boldness and a sense of assurance. And this, I think, is something we often lack in prayer. It's one of the things that keeps us from prayer, that keeps us from coming to God with this sense of assurance. Now, earlier this week, one of the shutters came loose by the window uh, on uh, our house. With all of the storms forecast over the week, I was very, very eager to fix it. It was up on the second floor. It's always on the second floor, isn't it? And so, so I set up a ladder, and uh, I have to say the ladder was a little bit uneven, and there was no one to spot me, so I, I gave up on that strategy. Uh, I tried to work uh, from the roof of our porch. It's kind of just on the edge, but uh, it was a hot day. The tiles were so hot that I managed to burn my hand on the way up there. Uh, I have to say, in truth, heights are not really my thing. It's probably a simple job for some of you. Uh, either option may have worked, but I, I was just a little bit too cautious, a bit too tentative. I, I lacked the confidence just to dive in and, and get it done. And now I use that as an illustration because I, I think the same thing can be true when it comes to prayer. Uh, as we go to God, it's like we're scared of heights and climbing up some sort of shaky ladder to get there. Uh, but to understand prayer that way is to get it all wrong. In Christ, Ephesians tells us we have access to God with boldness and confidence because of what Christ has done. And we come to God not as cowering subjects, but instead we come to God as his beloved children. Uh, we can and we should pray to him with confidence. And the reason I say that from our verses is because of this. Uh, the reason I say that is because we're called to pray in the Spirit. Uh, pray at all times in the Spirit, writes Paul in verse 18. And now that's an interesting phrase, isn't it, to pray in the Spirit. What does, does Paul mean by this? Maybe that's the big question you asked as we read these verses. And now in my early Christian life, I always thought this meant uh, that we need to pray in tongues. Now if you're not sure what that means, don't worry about it, because I don't think that's what the passage is talking about. 
Uh, now, to understand uh, that phrase, to pray in the Spirit, we have to look back. Uh, remember, that's what we've been doing. We, we've been looking at these verses in the context of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And so what, do we, uh, what we want to ask is this. What do we learn about the Spirit in this book? Uh, and when we ask that question, I, I think what we discover is this. Praying in the Spirit does mean praying with confidence. Uh, and that confidence is manifest in two ways. And when it comes to prayer, the Spirit's work is both to enable us and to inform us. He enables us and he informs us. He enables us by showing us how to pray. And he informs us by telling us what to pray for. Uh, firstly, let's think about how. Uh, turn with me back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. Uh, how do we pray? How and why can we come to God in the first place? Well, if you're a Christian, you'll know the answer is through Jesus Christ. Uh, that is what we want to say, and that would be right. But how does the Spirit fit in? Well, look down at chapter 2, verse 18 with me. Uh, here we read that it is through him, that is through Christ. Uh, for through Christ, we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. You see, Christ has died for our sins and Christ has risen from the dead. Christ has made a way, a way for us to come to God. And as the risen Lord, he has now poured out his Holy Spirit upon us, what Paul calls earlier a guarantee of our inheritance. This is part of the mystery of the gospel. Not that God is far off in heaven, but that in Christ God has been brought near, that God is now living within us by his Spirit. And so we see that Christian prayer is always a Trinitarian thing. We pray to the Father through the Son. But, but how do we do that? Well, we do it in the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what it means to pray in the Spirit. It means to approach God through Christ, but to do so in the Spirit's strength. It means to come to him with this inward conviction, the inward testimony of the Spirit. That the Spirit who, as we read in Romans 8, causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. And yet the Spirit doesn't just lead us in how to pray, uh, to approach God with confidence. He also helps us with what to pray, doesn't he? I mean, sometimes we just don't know what to pray, do we? I mean, we struggle to know what exactly to ask in any given particular situation. Uh, how do we pray for a child struggling at school? How do we pray for that friend who's struggling in his marriage? How do we pray for that boss who treats us like trash? I mean, thankfully, Romans 8 tells us that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we don't know what to pray, we know that the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words can't express. And yet in Ephesians, we learn the Spirit does more than that. Because in Ephesians, the Holy Spirit is described in this way. He's called the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Through the Spirit, God has revealed his will. He's revealed his eternal plan, which, according to chapter 3, verse 5, was not made known to the sons of men in other generations. Now, this hidden plan of God has now been made known. And how has it been made known? Well, it's been revealed by the Holy Spirit to God's apostles and prophets. Uh, the Spirit has breathed out the Word of God, the Scriptures. Uh, and we can view the Scriptures then as, as the Spirit-inspired prayer list. Uh, the Bible is, if you will, an inventory of God's supplies closet. As the great uh, Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon once wrote, he wrote this great little devotional book. It was a book that pulled together all of the promises of God. And, and what did he call that book? Well, I love this. This really makes the point so well. He called that book Faith's Checkbook. Faith's Checkbook. 
The promises of God are things that give us confidence. They are things that we can go to God and cash in on. In the Bible, God tells us what to pray. I mean, I think about the Psalms the Holy Spirit has breathed out, or or perhaps the various prayers in Paul's letters, like these two great prayers that we find in, in the letter to the Ephesians. And so, you see, to pray in the Spirit isn't some sort of wacky, weird, and wonderful thing. Uh, No, to pray in the Spirit means this. It means to pray in confidence, and it means to pray in line with what the Spirit has revealed in the Bible. Uh, Right before this, we're told uh, what the sword of the Spirit is. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Uh, And this is how we wield the Holy Spirit. We go to uh, wield the sword of the Spirit. We take the Word of God, and we take it to God in prayer, claiming His promises, calling uh, upon Him to do what He said. Uh, In the same sense, uh, I I suppose we could say praying in the Spirit is very similar to praying in Jesus' name. Uh, We often pray that way, and we should pray that way. But we should understand that is not just some sort of magic formula. Uh, No, to pray in Jesus' name means to come to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, But it also means to pray for things that are in keeping with Christ's will. And I suppose we could say this, to pray in the Spirit means to come to God through the power of the Spirit. And it it means to pray in line with what the Spirit has told us about God's plans and priorities in the Spirit-breathed Scriptures. In the Bible, the Spirit tells us who God is and what God is like. And so I guess to pray in some way other than in the Spirit is to pray in a position of ignorance. And being called to pray in the Spirit is therefore a call to pray with confidence. Confidence to approach God in prayer, but also boldness and confidence because we know the sorts of things to ask for. And again, we have to say this is one of the key areas that Satan likes to attack. He likes to undermine our confidence, as we've already said. There are times when we come to pray and we find the devil is kind of there sitting on our shoulders. He tells us, look, why should God listen to you? Why should he give you what you want? I mean, why should he give you what you need? You're a terrible sinner. You, you constantly live your life rejecting him. After everything has been said and done, there is sin in your heart. Uh, no, don't come talking to God. Instead, come and follow me instead. Come and do what I want you to do. And yet, this is precisely how the Spirit helps us. He tells us this. He tells us, no, on the basis of what Christ has done, uh, you can now come to God with confidence. Uh, Jesus has made a way so, so you can come to God through him. Uh, and I, the Holy Spirit, will empower you to pray. And, and look, I've already told you what to pray. You can find it written there in the Bible. Uh, the reason you can be sure I will give you what you want is because I've already told you what to ask for. Uh, the Spirit, God, the Trinity is more than ready to bless you. Uh, he invites you to come to him, so don't let the devil in, get in the way. Uh, instead, pray to God consistently and pray to God confidently as well. Uh, but thirdly, we should also seek to pray comprehensively. Comprehensively. Uh, this is what I mean. I mean that when we pray, uh, we should pray consistently and confidently about a wide range of different subjects. Uh, to demonstrate that in our text, uh, do you notice the repeated use of the word all? Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To this end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. According to Paul, prayer should be comprehensive in its scope. We should pray for all the saints. And in addition, uh, prayer should be comprehensive in its subject too. Pray with all kinds of prayers, about all kinds of things. 
Uh, a prayer shouldn't be tied down to just a narrow set of things. And yet I think this is often what happens. Uh, we fall into a rut and our prayers develop just this narrow focus. Uh, we just pray the same things for ourselves, for our families, for the church. And in one, th- on one sense, we have to say that's a good thing because we're striving to be consistent. We're persevering. And yet God also wants to broaden our horizon. That's one of Paul's point, uh, points in this verse. And he wants us to pray for all kinds of things. You see, if we're being told to pray at all times and in all seasons, we also need to know that we're being told to pray about everything. And prayer isn't just all season, we could say. Prayer is all terrain as well. Should we pray for our work? Yes, we should. Should we pray for our families? Yes, we should. Should we pray for our neighbors, our neighborhoods? Yes, we should. Should we pray for a parking space to open up on the way to work? Well, why not? Should we pray for the Eagles to win the game this afternoon? Well, uh, maybe that's pushing it. (laughs) After all, we're told to pray in the Spirit. That means praying according to God's revealed will. And uh, I guess the Scriptures do talking about rising up on eagles' wings, but I think that's... A bit of a stretch to read that back into uh, those passages. And yet we're invited to pray at all times with all kinds of prayers for all kinds of people. And this reminds us that, uh, of something we used to hear a lot about, at least when I first became a Christian. We used to always talk a lot about being a global Christian. Maybe that wasn't a thing over here, but it certainly was in England. I think that's an important thing. having a global perspective. It's one of the reasons when we pray together, we don't just pray for ourselves, but we pray for the world, for our brothers and sisters, even for world governments and things going on in the news. The truth is our prayers tend to spiral in on one things, don't they? Our prayers tend to get very, very repetitive. We pray for whatever is on our minds, whatever burdens our hearts. But Ephesians, the whole book, really blows wide this narrow perspective. We tend to focus on me and my life, my family, perhaps even us and our church. But Ephesians reminds us that God has a cosmic plan, a plan that includes all times, all people, all places. A cosmic plan that includes demonstrating God's wisdom to cosmic spiritual forces in the heavenly places. When was the last time you prayed about something like that? Uh, When was the last time you prayed the kind of prayers we see in Ephesians itself in chapter 1, asking God to help you understand his eternal plan as well as his power to accomplish it? Uh, When was the last time you prayed the prayer of chapter 3, asking for spiritual strength, spiritual strength that might bring you understanding, uh, understanding of the height, the depth, the breadth of God's love? Sure, there are many other things we want. We want financial stability. We want our kids to do well. We want uh, ourselves and our friends to be healed. Uh, and yet I suspect that if we had an overwhelming sense of the height and depth and breadth of the love of Christ, well, it would certainly put those challenges into perspective, wouldn't it? Uh, we need to broaden our prayers, casting a wider net. And we also need to deepen our prayers, going beyond just the surface. Uh, and there are various ways to do that. Uh, things that we might do to build this into our lives. Uh, One of the things we used to do, although we've dropped it off, I have to say, we used to assign a different prayer topic to each day of the week. I think it's not a bad idea. Uh, On Mondays, we would pray for one another. Uh, On Tuesdays, uh, we would pray for our extended family. Wednesdays, we would pray for friends and neighbors, bringing the circle out. Thursdays, we would pray for the church or perhaps others we knew that served in ministry. Uh, Friday, we'd open up the book, Operation World. Maybe you know it. It's got details of how to pray for for every country. Uh, We'd pray uh, for a country sometimes that we'd never heard of. 
and yet that would expand our horizon. It would make us aware of what God is doing in the world. And here's another idea. Several years ago at VBS, our daughter came back with a, a little prayer jar. Uh, the idea was to write on a wide range of things you might pray for, for, for personal things, for, as well as broader things, for nations, for missionaries, or, or things like that. And then over dinner, we would, we would pick out one of those things, and then we would pray for that before we uh, ate our dinner. Uh, that helped us mix things up. It helped us get out of the rut. It helped us pray more comprehensively. Uh, why not try something like that out or, or be creative? Find other ways to, to broaden uh, the content and context of your prayers. Uh, either way, whatever you do, look, look for ways uh, to pray for all kinds of things, uh, for all kinds of people, for all kinds of causes. And so then, what have we seen so far? We've seen this call to pray consistently. We've seen this call to pray confidently. We've seen this call to pray comprehensively. And perhaps more briefly, before we close, let me make a fourth and final point. Because in addition to all of this, we're also encouraged to pray collaboratively. To pray collaboratively. By that, I simply mean we don't just pray alone. Prayer is something that God calls us to do together. Uh, it's, sometimes, it's sometimes something we do for one another, isn't it? Yes, we pray for someone else. But prayer is also something we should seek to do with one another. Uh, hence, we have our prayer meeting tonight or, or a call you can dial into on Monday mornings. Uh, to make this point, though, I want to highlight one simple thing in our text. Um, here we see the great apostle Paul asking for prayer, which is really an incredible thing, isn't it? Having described how he wants them to pray in verse 18, verse 19 continues. Take a look. Pray also for me, he says, that the words may be given me to open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And now there's a focus on evangelism here. And this outward focus could be another point. In fact, I almost included a fifth point that we should pray commissionally. Our prayer should be in keeping with God, what God has revealed about the commission of Christ. But I have to say, there's only so much time, there's only so many C's that you can handle. And so notice the collaborative element here. It's a simple point, but uh, Paul is asking these brothers in, Ephesians, in, in Ephesus to pray for him. In other words, prayer isn't just some personal thing, a personal way for you to connect with God. No, prayer is a way for you to love and serve other people. Uh, and this is something we see earlier in Ephesians. In fact, it's interesting to note, as Paul prays in chapter 3, uh, what he prays for is incredible. He prays for them to grow in, in their knowledge of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. But he also adds this line. He prays that together with all the saints, they may know the height and the depth and the breadth of the love of Christ. Uh, together with all the saints. Uh, I feel like that's a key point, isn't it? That, that our relationship with God is something we enjoy in community with other believers. And that includes prayer. In fact, this comes from the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says a lot about praying alone. He calls us to go into the prayer closet to make sure we're not just praying to be heard by other people. And yet, having laid that out, he teaches us to pray. And what does he teach us to pray? Well, we, we already said the words together this morning. He teaches us to pray, Our Father in heaven. Our Father. That, of course, implies that it's something we're meant to pray together. It's a corporate prayer, not just something we pray as individuals. There is, of course, private prayer and corporate prayer. And most of us, I think, struggle with one more than the other. Some of us struggle to pray on our own. When we come to pray, it feels like our prayers are just hitting the ceiling. 
And so it, it can help us to have a friend with whom we pray, even perhaps on the phone once a week or twice a month, having someone to listen and encourage us, something, someone to say amen at the end can really make a huge difference. Uh, of course, others struggle in the opposite way, I think. Uh, some of us love to pray on our own, and yet it fills us with fear to pray out loud with other people. And there is a danger on either end, isn't there? If all you do is pray on your own, well, you lack the encouragement and support of others. Uh, and your prayers will tend, I suspect, not to be so balanced. You'll lack the perspective of other believers. But if you, all you do is pray with other people, well, it's, it's very tempting to put on a show. It's easy to become a hypocrite for your personal relationship with God to fall by the wayside. Because the truth is, all of us need both of these things. Yes, we should pray alone, but we should also uh, seek to pray collaboratively, collectively, to pray regularly with other people. And so let me encourage you to find ways to do that. It could be something informal with a friend. It could be with your family over dinner. It could be the church prayer meeting. You don't have to come to that. I'm not laying on a guilt trip here. It could be that you, you want to be a part of a growth group where you can pray together. Now, either way, at the start of this new school year, why not make a fresh commitment to pray? And as I've just said, my, my aim in saying this is not just to make you feel guilty. I know I'm saying this, and Paul is saying this, and, and God is saying this because you are involved in a war. And that war includes a kind of electromagnetic warfare, doesn't it? And there is nothing the enemy wants more than to cut off our communication with God. And so we need the armor of God, yes, but we also need to be people of prayer, don't we? People who pray consistently. People who pray confidently, knowing that God has opened the way in Christ. People who pray comprehensively for needs beyond just our own. And people who pray collaboratively, who stand side by side in dependence on God in prayer. In fact, let's do that now together. Let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the gift of prayer. And we confess, Lord, it's a gift that we often don't make use of. And so, Lord, we pray that by your Spirit you'd strengthen our weak knees, build us up, grow us in prayer, grow us in prayer individually, and grow us in prayer as a people. Lord, help us be consistent. Help us be confident. Lord, help us be comprehensive, praying all kinds of prayers for all kinds of people. And, Lord, in these things, help us help one another as a church. And we pray all of these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.